Well, happy almost the weekend. It is another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside my friend Andrew Gomison, host of the show. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you. And today uh, on this Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, we have a movie review for you. And uh, this might be a good way um, to spend uh, some time with your family tonight after all the hubbub of Black Friday. Hopefully you didn't uh, uh, go too far in debt or spend money that too much money that you didn't have on uh, the, all those great good Black Friday bargains. Um <laughs> And I also hope that this movie, Woodlawn, is still in theaters. I think it will be. Um, if it's not in your regular theaters, uh, we do have a second-run theater um, at Woodland Mall locally here in Grand Rapids, where it may be. And if you're one of, in one of those cities that has a second-run theater, you might be able to still check out Woodlawn. If that's not the case, you can always uh, – Pick it up on DVD in a couple of months when it comes out. It will it will still be a good watch, and it will definitely be worth your time. And I think you will enjoy this review as we dig into this film. Um, but before we do that, Adam, why don't you give us our quote of the day? All right. And this comes from Hank in Woodlawn, one of the main characters. I'm asking you to stand up, to make a decision, to change, to forgive, and to be Forgiven. All right, and this is really the crux of the movie because in in toward the beginning of the movie, uh, this is a real story that happened in the 1970s. There were a lot of racial tensions, um, a lot of uh, rioting. Uh, there was uh, the 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 movie kind of centers around the forced integration of a high school um, in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, Woodlawn High School, and their high school team and how they reacted high school football team and how they reacted to the integration. And at first it didn't go well. And then Hank, uh, Irwin, who I'm just going to stop as an aside here. Um, before we jump in, uh, with the trailer, which we will get to before we do our in-depth discussion. But, uh, one in one really interesting thing about this film is that Hank Irwin, uh, is the main character one of the main characters the chaplain and his last name is the same as the directors um i believe andrew and john irwin and that is because he is their father so it's a very personal story for the directors and it's a true story and so i think that uh, adds an exciting element to this film and we'll get into that a little bit more but first Let's uh, hear the trailer for the movie, Woodlawn. Jesus says to love our enemies. We have to love those that oppose us. If you only love those that love you back, what kind of love is that? There's something special about you. I can see it. You have a gift. And you have to decide what you want to do with it. I can't. I mean, I play for a team that doesn't even want me. Anybody like me. I'd like to have a meeting with the football team. I've seen things all over the country. Well, you and I can see that meeting. Do something about this. It's not my fault, Owen. Trying to coach football. He's bigger than football. What would you say if I told you it doesn't have to be this way? What would you be prepared to do? I'm asking you right now to stand up 
and make a decision to change, to forgive, to be forgiven. That's how much God loves you. What just happened? Look at me. I'm proud of you. Win or lose, you my son. The good book says, without a vision, the people perish. I say, go give it to them. How many black players you got? Not nearly enough. Why you see that changing? Because it's time. You know the difference between you and these people? They're cowards. Nobody out there knows what's happened with this team. But when you win on this day, they will! They call him Touchdown Tony Nathan. He's homegrown right in Birmingham. This is your moment. This is your time. So you go and take it. You go and take it. This is what happens when God shows up. The trailer uh, for Woodlawn, and before we uh, dig into this, I just want to mention that this is actually a very timely movie um, because if you've paid attention to the news at all, uh, there's a there's a coach, um, and it's slipping my mind where he's from, uh, but a high school football coach recently was fired um, after being put on administrative leave uh, for leading voluntary prayer at the 50 yard line at his uh, teams football games uh, after each game. And again, the key word here is voluntary. He's not forcing anyone to do it. Um, but he also knows that the the change that uh, only God can make um, in people's lives, and he is trying to impart that boldly to his players. And really, that's what you see in this film, uh, because there is a part where they're praying in the stadium and the school administrator um, pulls the plug on the microphone, thinks he's stopped it, thinks he's won, and then the whole crowd uh, gets into the prayer and drowns out whatever uh, this administrator was trying to prove by what he did. And, and that's that's um, toward the end of the film, and so I'm jumping ahead. But because of the current events, um, I thought that it was relevant to the discussion and it was very timely that Woodlawn is in theaters right now because of that. Are you familiar with that story, Adam? I yes, I am. I just heard that within uh, the past month or so, I believe, when it happened. And it's it is interesting how you see the movie Woodlawn and how those exact events happen, and then you see it happening in real life. And uh, kind of jumping into like general thoughts of the movie. I, I like how uh, the movie helps you deal with those situations when they happen in real life. Like they showed some great Christ-following people that jumped in on how to handle those times when it was not only tense between separation of church and state, but also color. Well, and I think that another interesting thing about this is is one of the main gripes of Christian movies, or that, or that people have for Christian movies, is they'll say, um, you know, that's not very realistic, or maybe. It's just playing up every cliche. But this was a true story. Yeah. And I tried to do some research into how they might have changed the um, 
the actual the story from or the the movie from the actual story and the actually the gentleman that wrote the book that this is based on because Woodlawn is was a book first uh was actually the son of the coach um so he's i think he's portrayed as a 6-year-old boy in the film and he he's the one that wrote the book and he said yes this film is pretty much uh the way i remember growing up with the team so it's not so it's not cliche. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but it's just so good that I have to mention it again. I'm reminded of a story I heard about a test audience for the movie Apollo 13. And uh, they asked the test audience, well, what did you think of the film? And one of the guys said it was totally unrealistic because they survived. And the funny thing was the whole reason that it became a film, this true life event became a film, was because they did survive. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes some of the most unbelievable things can indeed be a part of the true story. And so that's important to keep in mind as we as we go through. Um so my general thoughts about this movie is that it's probably the best uh Christian film that I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Um because it it had a very solid plot. It had characters to root for. Um and it had the story of Jesus um without uh being pushy. And yes, a whole basically a whole team um got saved at the same time. A whole team trusted Christ at the same time. And you know, that does seem unbelievable, but there were um there were magazines that followed this story. There was National Geographic wrote about Birmingham and the the events surrounding this story. So this is, a, again, a true story, something that actually happened. So that that added an element of excitement. And, you know, just to know that, that the that the Irwin brothers' father was faithful enough to show them an example through this story and then to see them carrying on the legacy by making Christ-honoring, high-quality films is, is just very exciting. Um, so positive things about the film. Uh, I think one of the positive things about the film was that even before the team resolved their differences, uh, their coach, Tandy Gerald, uh, uh, was, a was seemed to be a pretty stand up guy. Yeah. He cared about the kids. Uh, he wanted to, to see them succeed. Um, he knew about their anger. He knew what was driving their anger and he tried to help them overcome it in his way. And he just wasn't having any success. As a matter of fact, he was basically threatened with being fired if more riots broke out, which I don't know why he would be personally responsible for a whole uh, 2,000 student body. Yeah. Um, because they, they mentioned 1,500 students and then 500 black students who didn't want to be there. And I remember when I was watching it with Adam, we were sitting there in the theater, and I turned to Adam and I said, how many schools even have 2,000 students, let alone <laughs> in this type of situation in them? So that was pretty amazing that that he would be, uh, you know, p- charged with this responsibility. And then it's kind of funny, after the evangelist spoke to them the first time and most of the, the guys made a decision to follow Christ, he said um, his wife, he came home late, obviously, because of the meeting, because... Uh, I think uh, Hank was supposed to speak for five minutes, and he spoke for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he came home, and he said, uh, I was at the gym, 
and uh, this evangelist spoke, and he converted the whole team. And his wife said, "Is that good or bad?" And he said, "Is that good or bad?" And he said, "I don't know yet." <laughs> so it was just kind of interesting how that worked. And I really liked um, the the character of Tony Nathan. I thought that that was he was a very solid character, hardworking guy, and he really wanted um, to help people. And he really was a leader both on and off the field to kind of stem uh, some of these issues. And so that's kind of what I saw as mainly positive in the film was uh, just just the way that uh, God worked and to see that portrayed in film was, was really exciting. So what, what were your thoughts, you know, as you look at the, as the, at the positive elements of this movie? The movie was so good. I agree with you. I think it's my favorite Christian film of the year that's came out, if not my favorite film of the year. Not only do they just nail every true story event that happened in that Woodlawn story, but I was blown away by the quality of the film. You know, not that majority of Christian films are like bad or anything, but you can tell when it's a little lower budget or they just kind of have actors from their churches and stuff come in. And again, not that that's a bad thing, but this was like a motion major project film. That was done. They had some well known people. Oh, they had John Voight. They had uh, Sean Astin, Sam from Lord of the Rings, of course, his nickname now. Uh, Sherry Shepard was in this movie, too. So you had some big Hollywood names come in. And uh, Francesca Battistelli had a cameo, which I did not even notice until Adam pointed out. Yeah. Here's here's the ironic thing about that there is a scene. Later in the movie, I don't, I don't want to give away where they are yet, but where there's a national anthem being sang, and Andrew and I both looked at each other and were like, why isn't Franny B singing this right now? <laughs> like, she was in a scene earlier, and she did a great job. But we're like, why isn't she up there singing the song? But uh, it is. It's a lot of big names in it, and the quality is absolutely fantastic. So yep. I loved it. And uh, negative aspects of the film. I don't know if there were any particularly... Uh, negative aspects of the film. I think um, just, you know, there were definitely negative characters. Yeah. And that's kind of a good thing in a sense because you have a, a really clear divide of positive and negative characters and how the negative characters or how the how the positive characters, the Christian characters respond to the non-Christian characters makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I, I, I think of how the the players of the Christian, the players that became Christians, how they affected their coach because their coach went to the church um, where four of them were attending and said, I made a decision to follow Christ and how excited you could see that they were, that he had made that decision. And then he was baptized right then and made his commitment public. And I just thought that was really exciting. And, and you can see too, how that affects his relationship with his son because he realized he's kind of been neglecting his son. He says to his son, you mean the world to me. And I realized that I'm not spending enough time with you. And his son says, it's okay. And he's like, no, it's not. And I love that because yeah. I think sometimes we can fall into this complacency of, oh, well, I'm doing work. So my family can take a seat on a back burner. And I understand that there are some short-term times when that needs to be the case. But as an overall... As an overarching philosophy, we need to realize that we can't justify not spending time with our family in the name of work. I think even as a brother, I mean, I don't have a huge workload 
right now. But even as a brother, I, I see the responsibility to be there for my extended family and not be all-consumed about myself. The Bible says to let each esteem others better than themselves. And so I really saw that as, as a pivotal turning point in the film, too, because then he asked his son to help coach the running backs. And you saw his son out there, <laughs> you know, six, seven, eight years old, working with the running backs. I don't know how much actual coaching he was doing, but he was having a blast. Yeah. And he was with his dad. And and really, that, like I said, that was the impetus for the book because he, he grew up with his dad. He was around the team. He saw these events unfold personally, and he decided to write a book honoring his father. And so that, that to me, is very exciting. And I'm thinking we may even cover that book in our book club uh, maybe next year because I'm excited to hear more of the story. And that's another thing that I would say is a trademark of a good movie is if it's based on a book, make me want to read the book. Right. Uh, make me really want to get the book and not uh, not be something where I, I watch the movie and then I go read the book and I'm like, was that really the same thing? And I, <laughs> as I said, I don't think that's the case here. So I really appreciated that. All right. Did you have anything that stuck out to you as kind of negative or? Honestly, when the movie was done, that was my only negative thing. It was so good, so well done. Um, you, you don't want to miss it, especially if it's still in theaters. All right. And uh, all right. What's your favorite character? You know, uh, this was split down the middle for me. So I'm kind of cheating and having two favorite characters That's from the movie. Uh, first one would be uh, to Tony Nolan who's the player main character on the football team and in the movie. I loved the character he has throughout the entire movie. And this is even like before he's discovered as this amazing football talent. And while he's a football talent and then even afterwards when God opens other doors, he just always seemed to be a man of integrity. And I look back like when I was 17 and I'm thinking it's hard to think outside of yourself at that age when, you know, of course you know it all. So it was cool to see uh, a boy that age who was really just trying to do the right thing, really trying to do it for God. And he had this character about him, too, where he was uh, nervous. Before a couple games in the movie, you'll see some scenes where he is extremely nervous. He, he looked at himself very humbly. He didn't look at himself like, oh, hey, I can kick this football by myself. I can be the whole team myself. He's nervous. And you can tell there's, there's a sense of a humbleness in him. And I, I really, really like Tony. And how uh, God opened doors for him throughout the movie. Secondly, it would be uh, recruiter Paul Bryant, played by John Voight. Uh, he is from Bama, Bama University. And I loved a, the wittiness that John Voight brought to that character. You'll, you'll crack up when you see him on the screen. But I also loved his sense of integrity and how he didn't look at someone based on their color or their neighborhood. But he looked in... Uh, on, the, on the football players that he wanted to recruit based on their talent and who they were as, as God's creatures. And I'm like, you know, that's that's what it's about. Well, I would have to say that uh, it's hard to choose because, like you said, there's so many good characters. Yes. Um, I really liked Hank. Um, I think I related to him in the fact that he was disabled, like he walks with a cane in the movie. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he said he lost half of his foot in an accident work-related. I forget uh, well, if he was working in mines or whatever, but he lost half his foot and he said he, that made him give up a baseball career. 
And when they, they, when they felt sorry for him, when they were empathizing with him, he said, don't feel sorry for me. God just gave me a new calling. And it's kind of interesting because you watch the film and you just see the passion that he has for the people and the passion that he has for football, even though he's on the sidelines, he's still enjoying every moment of it. And then you get to the end credits and they're talking about what happened to the people after the movie. And it says that you ran two marathons yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, he didn't let anything stand in his way then. So I really liked Hank. And then I also, like you said, I really like John Voight's uh, portrayal of coach Bear Bryant. Uh, he was very good. Um, and uh, I just, I just, I think I would have liked Bear Bryant, you know, as a person based on what I saw in the film. Obviously, it's a little capsule, but I I just love the fact that he said that he he ha- didn't have any black or white players. He had yeah. football players, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's so you know that's so what we need today in this in these racial discussions is we need to just be people. Yeah, you know, every time somebody says that you know, like I was hearing um, just today that there aren't enough black managers in uh, Major League Baseball, and Part of me kind of sees why they say that, because if there's only one, then that seems like it's too few. But there's only 30 Major League Baseball teams. And if there's legitimately 29 um, managers that are the best managers for their teams, but they're not black, why should that be a penalty? It shouldn't be racist. If the reason that we don't have black managers is because you're racist, then that's wrong. But it's awful hard, and it's an awful big stretch to to arbitrarily say that it's because of racism. And I think things like that actually hold uh, hold the issue of racism back and continue to hold it over our shoulders. And let me assure you, I'm not racist. I, I totally am not. I have friends that are black, and I have a great deal of respect for them. But I don't think of them as black. It only comes up when the media wants to make an issue of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it needs to be, that it doesn't come up all the time. You know, a couple of years ago when Tony Dungy won the Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, quite a few years ago now, actually, uh, they made a big deal because both because two black coaches were the first black coaches to go to the Super Bowl. And then Tony Dungy was the first black coach to win. But how about the fact that he's just a good coach, regardless of whether he's black or not? So, you know, I think we often foster racism without even realizing it sometimes. So. All right. How about your least favorite character? Here's how much I must not have liked him because I, I can't even remember his name. But uh, I think it was the superintendent of that school district in Birmingham. I think so. And I'm probably going down the same. Uh, <laughs> With his name. We'll track. call him Mr. Superintendent for now. Um, he was very uh, racial, very pro-white, uh, very southern slave attitude to be honest and uh he followed that throughout the movie and there were even times where they tried to pray and he would stop it and you know that that bothers me but it was just even his demeanor about stuff you know like i said my favorite character tony gave off this sense of humbleness the superintendent gave off a sense of the complete opposite and i was just like oh boy this guy's a piece of work god bless him but uh it probably would be my least favorite character yeah, and I, I would I would reflect that. I think that my other least favorite character was the coach of one of the other teams. Mm. But he made a dramatic life change through the course of the film. Um, 
also thanks to divine intervention. Mm -hmm. Which I didn't see um, coming. And I didn't either. And I just, I really thought that that was um, exciting. And, you know, you can really see that God can change people. And that's, that's really, it really typifies a lot of what we stand for here on the Speaking for Him podcast, too, is just the fact that God is in the people changing business. He wants to walk with you and have an intimate relationship with you. And when he does, things change. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it goes. God is good. So All I just the time. Really, there's a lot to be thankful for about this film. All right. Well, we're getting close to wrapping up. But what do you think is the biggest lesson that you took away from this film? Or maybe two lessons if one is not sufficient. I think the biggest lesson I walked away from with this film is nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible. You know, you see a whole football team come to Jesus, and that's pretty crazy. Even nowadays, to have that all happen the same night would be amazing. But you have it back then when all the racial tensions were going on. Absolutely incredible. And then you have their coach come to them. And then, like I said, the, the coach of the uh, rival team came to Christ later like that season, which he didn't see coming at all. So my biggest lesson was um, don't don't underestimate God and what he can do because where he's present, uh, all bets are off. You just never know what he's going to do. I, I, would, I would echo those sentiments because I was thinking about this because we, we, often we often pray for revival in our country and we often think of the revival times as like, you know, there was a time in like, the 1700s when there was a major revival, a time in the 1800s when there was a major revival. And we, we tend to think that the 1900s never had one. Uh, and maybe not to the extent of the Great Awakening, but like you said, uh, Jesus, Jesus really got a hold of the town of Birmingham for at least that brief period of time. And like you said, I think it it reminds me not to limit God continue to pray for that and to continue to try to try to do that for my part you know i can't control what other people do but i can um i can make an impact based on what i do and what i do has a ripple effect to others even when i don't realize it so i think that's very important all right well we're going to end our review by simply giving you a rating from one to five one being worse five being best and I, I've never done this before, but I think I'm going to have to give it a five. I honestly, without hesitation, can tell you that this is one of the best films we've reviewed in, in the history of our podcast. It was just so well done. Um, it, the message was not jammed in. It was just put out there as this is the truth. This is what can change people. Because I think another one thing I want to mention here is that we can be afraid of it. We can sometimes be afraid of the message. We can say, well, well, I don't want to force the message on people. But then we don't deliver the message they need to hear. And so I think that when the doors open for the message, you need to share it. And this guy, Hank, he knew that God had a message for him to share. And he went around sharing it. And he shared it with boldness. And God rewarded that, and I think God can do that today. So I'm giving it a 5 out of 5, and I encourage you um, to go and watch it. You may want to be careful 
with some younger viewers just because of some of the depictions of violence. Um, but I wholeheartedly endorse it. So it's a historic podcast episode as we have one five on the show given for the first time. But it is now going to be doubly, doubly uh, historic because I'm also going to give it a five. It was that good. I agree. I, I think it was wonderfully done. It was done with the best quality, great actors, and they really made you feel like you were watching the story as it was it was happening 40 years ago. Um, it also had times where, even though it was telling the story of that truth of the heaviness of those racial tensions, there were still some lighthearted moments too. Where literally it was like I laughed, I cried. You know, it's one of those cheesy. Uh, movie lines of emotions, but it's true. You get a little bit of everything in this movie, and it's so well done, so put together amazingly, and it shares truth, like you mentioned. So Yeah, and I'll just end with this. There's two really funny scenes. I'm not going to detail them, but I'll just tell you what to look for. There's one really funny scene with Bear Bryant and Tony Nathan's family. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he basically comes and camps out. And then there's one really funny scene with Tony and his girlfriend, which interestingly enough, it's kind of fun that they do end up getting married and they're they're still married today after 35 years. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. To hear that. So just a couple more asides as we close up this podcast, but I hope that you will uh, go see this movie if it's still in theaters anywhere in your area. If it's not, um, put it on your list to get on DVD and hopefully Netflix will... Pick it up, um, and it will just spread like wildfire because it has the hope that we need, and it's also just a really cool, really fun sports movie. Yeah, it is. So you can't go wrong sharing it with your friends. All right, well, that's all I have for this week, and I thank you for joining Adam and I, uh, as you do every week, and I hope that you will encourage your friends to do the same. Contact us with the content information at the end of the show. Let us know what you want to hear, what you like, what you don't like, and we'll be back with you next week. And in a couple weeks, we will be starting our Christmas episodes for the Speaking For Him podcast. So we're very excited to share those with you. Um, so uh, just have a wonderful day. I hope that you've enjoyed the start to your holiday season. And please remember to keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.